Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Come on, do you love New Heights music? Wow. Be on the lookout. We're going to be on iTunes and everywhere else very, very soon. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. Let your word change us, shape us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated if you can. Stand if you cannot. All is well. well. We had a great move of God the first service. We had a great move of God Wednesday night. Who was here Wednesday? Whoa. I could take, I'll take a double dose of that twice a week. Come on, somebody. Beautiful, beautiful. Open your Bible to Psalm chapter number one. Put Psalms chapter number one. We're teaching right now how to have faith in unstable times. Because if, if we treat a change in the atmosphere as if nothing has happened, we will be influenced by the atmosphere. I prefer to stand and believe God until the atmosphere changes. I prefer to stand and describe how God is going to bring great victory even when it looks like we will lose. Because the Bible also says in 2 Corinthians, now thanks be unto God which always causes us to triumph through Christ Jesus. In other words, victory is well prepared already by God for you. Somebody say amen. So when you're in an unstable situation or an unstable season, what you have to do is hold fast your confession of faith. Your faith is what has to be the anchoring thing in your situation until your circumstances change, not the opposite. Do not allow your circumstances to bring your faith down. Allow your faith to cause your circumstances to rise up. Psalm chapter number one. I'm going to give you just a few keys this morning on how to hold your faith in unstable times. Psalm chapter number one. Always bring your Bible to church. The Bible is not old fashioned. The Bible is the word of the living God. And never ever allow the Bible to be taken from you. Never allow the word of God to be... There are countries on the planet right now that they allowed the Bible to be taken from them either by force or uh, uh, voluntarily and they've never gotten the right to have it back in their bookshelves. Never allow the Bible to be taken from you. Somebody say amen. amen. Psalm chapter number one. Here we go. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man... That walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. If you're going to keep your faith in unstable times, you need to be respectful, but you can't give any regard to what anybody thinks about spiritual matters if they do not serve our God and believe the Bible is the written word of God. You cannot, you cannot sit You cannot walk in the counsel of people that do not. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom 
is the fear of God. If somebody doesn't start there, then the rest of their wisdom when it comes to spiritual things is irrelevant. We don't mean this ugly, but we do mean it very, very specific. If you do not think that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God, crucified, buried, and risen from the dead one day to return for us, then to be frank, we don't care what you think about anything spiritual at all. Because the Bible is the word of the living God and it sets our opinions, not the opposite. We do not set our opinions and then go to the Bible to confirm them. We have the Bible set our opinions and then we change into what the Bible actually says we can be. And then we stand there without regard to what somebody that does not believe. the If somebody doesn't believe the Bible is true, what do we care what they think about the Bible? So we don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We don't walk. We're not going to put on the balance or the scale of our life. We're not even going to put it on the scale of our life if somebody is not is not convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, our goal is to convince them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But in the process of our own life, we are not relying on MSNBC, Fox News, or anybody else to dictate what a Christian is. The Bible says what a Christian is. If you do not believe that, that, that Moses walked through the Red Sea on dry ground, then you have taken a non-Christian viewpoint. Because a Christian viewpoint is the Bible is true and it is a take it or leave it book. All of it. You remember whenever the Bible says that they were, that the Israelites were about to get delivered from Egypt and he told them to bring in a spotless lamb into everybody's house. The Bible says that they had to consume the whole lamb. You couldn't leave any part of it out. You remember Jesus is the word made flesh. You can't take some of the word and then leave the rest of it out. You got to eat the whole lamb. It's the word of God digested, meditated on that will change you. But you cannot sit. You can't walk in the counsel of the ungodly because sooner or later they're going to say something that makes a little bit of sense to you. They will appeal to something in your emotional condition. And then you'll start to say, well, you know what? Maybe that is a little bit old-fashioned. Fortunately or unfortunately, you don't get to dictate what a marriage is. God does. I'm not mad at anybody that wants to do something else. That's their business. But as far as Christianity goes, our position is not negotiable. We have been told what our position is. The Bible sets our sail. We do not. The Bible tells us what to do, where to do, how to do it. But if you want to take up a different stance, do so, but stop calling it a Christian stance. Because it's not. The Bible sets the stance for you and for me. So if you're going to keep faith in unstable times, you got to know it's going to become more and more unpopular to stand for the word of God. So you've got to be ready to not walk in the counsel of the ungodly because sooner or later it will chip away at your condition and your position of faith when what we need more than anything else is to hold fast our confession of faith. Does this make sense? Number two. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't loiter around sin. You know what the Bible does not ever say to do? See how close you can get to sin and not do it. It says flee the appearance of evil. God always makes a way of escape. The problem is... A lot of times we just walk right by that door. Oh, no, thank you. I can do it. 
I can be this close and not fall back into it. You ever, you ever seen one of those signs that says no loitering? It basically means stop standing around doing nothing. You can't stand around and do nothing here. That's what it's saying. If you see a no loitering sign in front of a gas station, don't stand around and do nothing here. The Bible also says that idle hands are the devil's workshop. Stop loitering around sin and then being shocked that you fell back into it. And then people say like this, man, the devil really got me. He knocked me back into it. No, 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 no. You built a bridge, walked over there, built you a slip and slide and slid down in it. God gave you 15 different escapes. You loitered around it long enough that it just enticed you. Who in here, who in here is going to have lunch later? Like, I don't want to just sound totally gross, but, but like, you don't want to eat something you've already eaten, right? Like, you don't want to eat it, like, and then eat it again, right? You know why you don't want to do that? Because you're not a dog. The Bible says a dog returns to its own vomit. Don't live like a dog. Don't, don't, don't get close to it. Sooner or later, it'll make a fool out of you. Because you'll just say, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And then the other thing that happens is this. You're already feeling guilty for all the different times, for all the different uh, uh, ways of escape that you didn't that you didn't take, and now you do this. I'm already feeling guilty. I just as well do it. This is the guilt cycle that the devil tries to throw Christians into because if he can get you caught up in the guilt cycle, you'll stay in repentance mode for the next 120 years of your life and you will never get anybody else born again because you'll be so concerned about your own condition. I repent, I repent, I repent. And you should when you do wrong. But I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent. And sooner or later, you're just stuck in this carnival of repentance. All the while, your coworker doesn't even know that Jesus will set him free. And you're having to focus so hard because you stay on this cycle because you are loitering around sin. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says we're supposed to come out from among the world. It says we're supposed to be holy. Everybody say holy. I wasn't going to teach this. I decided to teach it first service, so I'll, I'll touch on it now. Holy by biblical... Let me just give you some examples. The Bible calls our tithe Holy. That's the first 10% of what we make. It's holy. It belongs in the house of God. The Bible literally says in Malachi, the temple treasury, the place where you are taught the word of God is where your tithe goes. That's what it says. It says it's holy. You know what that word holy means in its most rudimentary form? Separate. You ever had a, you you go to work and get a paycheck, you get your paycheck, like like all money's just kind of money. But the check with your name on it is separate, right? Like if they stopped giving you that, you'd probably stop showing up. (laughs) Just a thought. Because while the whole company's money is critical, what is separate and important to you is what you're going to go feed your family with, right? So God says the tithe is holy. In other words, it is separated from the rest. Now, the promises attached to that is if you sow your tithe in the house of God, he opens the windows of heaven, pours out blessing, you don't have room enough to receive. But the, the definition of holy just means it's separate. You can see it in the, in the Garden of Eden when he said, eat of everything you want, but that tree right there is separate. It's type and shadow of tithe. He says, that belongs to me. Who in here is married? Just wave at me. Me too. 
You know what my wife is? Holy. She is separated unto me. And if somebody wanted to try to touch what was holy, come on somebody. I can prophesy if I need to. (laughs) Holy means separate. So the opposite of holy does not necessarily mean sin. The opposite of holy means common. You didn't separate. You were delivered from a thing, but you just stayed amongst it. You loitered around it. You're standing in the way with sinners. Some of you, this message might change what you do tomorrow. It's a holiday weekend. A lot of people are going to sit around and cook hamburgers and hot dogs and, you know, barbecue some pork butts. Come on, somebody. Start about 9 o'clock in the morning. And Uncle Willie, he's going to be sitting there drinking Modellos, Modellos all day long. Isn't that the kind you like, Jake? Get your your Corona. Stick the fruit in it. All the while, you don't realize... That whatever you have your children around is normal to them. So God sets you free from something that has robbed from your family. That has robbed your time. That has robbed your peace. And then because of the sake of a relationship. You allow your children to be around something that is by statistics, more risky than leaving them around a bunch of active grenades. Because whatever you have them around is normal. We got invited to a party years ago, and I didn't know the people. But, I mean, I knew the people, but I didn't know know how they partied. I thought, you know, I didn't know what it thought. I, I, I tell you, I didn't, I wasn't expecting what we walked into. Walked in, and I'm like, what the heck is this? There's a full bar laying on the counter. They had a pump, a pump of alcohol. I don't know what it was called, but they pumped the shots in there, and everybody was taking it. And my little, my kids were just babies. I walked in and walked out because what my kids around is normal to my kids. If you, if you are a part of the traveling circus and you raise your kids, then lions, tigers, and bears is a normal day to them. So it's not like lions, tigers, and bears are weird. They're only weird if you're not around them all the time. If you're around them all the time and you feed them in the morning, that is normal to you. That is normal to your kids. There are kids right now that live on ranches that get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, saddle a horse, and go ride out in the country, and you don't trust your kid to go get the mail. Because however you raise them, whatever you raise them around, that's normal to them. So if you are are supposed to be out of this world, come on somebody, 
called out from among them. And you're supposed to be holy and you're supposed to be separate. And then you take what's most precious to you, your little babies, and you walk them into a place. And now all of a sudden, everything that you are warring against is going on. Complacency, lackadaisical lifestyle. Because if somebody was actively serving the devil, you would never take them there. But the risk of the, of your children being, being, uh, 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 being influenced by somebody who serves the devil actively is very low. But the risk of your children being influenced by somebody that is nonchalant about their faith is very high. Cause you live in America. Very few people are believing God for their next meal. Very few people in America are believing God for their next meal. So we allow this lifestyle that he says, stop loitering around what I called you out of because you might be able to withstand it, but it will hit your next generation. It's a shift. It's a total shift. And and it's and it's all because of the price that was paid for you. You got to hold your faith in unstable times. Now listen to this. This is not you earning your way to heaven. That's heresy. What this is is it is honoring the price paid. Because if they don't know you're different, how do you know? How do they know you have an answer? Why do we get saved and then act unsaved? Why do we get saved and then start trying to figure out, well, what exactly can I get away with and like still go to heaven and all? When did that become the the concept? The Bible doesn't say, see how close you can get and say saved. It says to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. It's about the price paid. It's about holding on to your faith in unstable times. What got you to the place of needing salvation is not what you go back to once you get saved. You come out from among them. I was at a, I was, we, we, we took the kids and on a, on a vacation a couple of weeks ago. And so we left here and we went to the airport, just right down the road. And, and the, the flight was delayed. We only had like a 45 minute layover in Dallas. We're like, Oh no, hope we make our flight. So the flight was delayed here. We flew to Dallas, got to Dallas and we were running through the airports, five of us running through the airport. We got to the place. They were already loading the plane. They were on group seven or eight when we got there. So we were like fixing to miss the, 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 the closing of the door. We got on the plane, got on the runway in the plane and, and we had to wait for another hour and a half to take off. So we were supposed to get to, to where we were going in Florida at like seven or eight o'clock and we got there at like 11 o'clock, right? So we got to where we're going to be, had a great vacation, but, but I'm sitting there on the way back and I'm already calculating. I'm like, okay, cause you know, is, anybody ever had this happen? As soon as you book a, a, a plane ticket, all of a sudden the thunder starts to roll. You know what I'm saying? It's like everything that, that wasn't happening for like a month before that starts happening on the day you're supposed to fly out. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, we're flying out at this time. What happens? We had like an hour, an hour and 15 minute layover. We were going to fly back to Dallas, then back to College Station. This was all going to happen. So we get there. We get to the airport in Florida. We fly to Dallas. And, and all of a sudden, it's like, I don't know, 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And the kids are like, hey, we're hungry. I'm like, you're like always hungry. I don't know about you, but my kids, they like, they want to eat like two or three times a day. 
every day. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So we'll get something to eat, praise the Lord. So we walk by and, and like, like sometimes you just, you know, you ever had to just like, there was a, there was a man of God in the Bible and he had a, uh, he saw a cloud. The, the Bible says that his servant saw a cloud in the sky about the size uh, of the, of a man's hand and it was a sign. Well, well, sometimes God will send you a different kind of sign. And this sign said Papacitos. And I love Florida and I love pescado. Come on somebody. But what I really want is some Mexican food. So we got back to Texas and said, praise the Lord, there's a Papacitos, let's get in there. But I'm looking at my clock. Now it's like an hour before we're supposed to get on the next flight or before the next flight takes off. I'm looking at him like, I need to rush this along, but I don't want McDonald's. I want Papacitos. I want chips and salsa. Here's, here's God's honest truth. We tried to go to a Mexican restaurant in Florida. I said, I'd like some chili con queso. She said, que? I said, chili con queso. She said, she said uh, 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 qual queso? Like, w- which cheese? And I, and I, I look, and, and the appetizer, I said, I said, oh, sorry, cheese dip. <laughs> That's what it said at a Mexican restaurant, cheese dip. So we got to Papacitos. I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, I need to figure this out. Are you guys still with me, by the way? And I thought, we got to rush this thing through. I don't want to be running through the airport again, especially not after I eat all these fajitas. <laughs> and so the waiter comes up, and I'm like, what can I do to push this along? And I said, I know what I can do. <laughs> Money answers all things. I pulled out two 20s. And I said, my brother, I said, I have a flight coming up. I got a family of five. I said, is there any way that you could just kind of rush this along for us? And I reached out with that $40. He said, absolutely, sir. And he starts to walk by, and there's like tables here, and this person's going, this person's going, excuse me, sir. And he's like, Psh. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm going to make this easy for you. Give me two orders of fajitas. We all want water, and give us some cheese dip. Oh, excuse me. Chili con queso. 32.3 seconds later, this brother shows up with plates on every arm. Here you go, here you go, here you go. And y'all know the drill. They're all hot as fire. I'm like, yeah, thanks, man. And he's like, is there anything else I can get for you? I'm like, no. As soon as my water got that low before the top, he's like, filling it up. I'm like, thank you very much. He goes, anything else I need? Yeah, how are you doing on your flight? I'm, t- I'm doing okay. I think we're going to make it. It's only been two minutes. Because he wasn't working to earn a tip. He was trying to live up to what was freely given to him. Do you feel the difference? When you decide to live wholly separate, it's not that you're trying to earn anything. You're trying to live up to what was freely given to you. What was freely prayed what was freely paid for. So if you're going to keep your faith in unstable times, you can't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. What do we care what they think? They think we're nuts. You can't sit, the last point I'll make, you can't sit in the seat of the scornful. It's the last part of that verse. You can't sit in the seat of the scornful. Let me just tell you what that means. You can't 
perpetuate scoffing conversations indefinitely and think it won't affect you. here's, Here's a way you know that you're getting close if you're not already there. I really like them, but here's the three areas of their life that I don't like. Who appointed you the judge? I really like this, but I don't like this, this, and this. You just start to just scoff it. Just, just Everything's got to have a but to it. When the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins, it doesn't point out a multitude of sins. You don't sit in the seat of the scornful. You don't carry around an attitude. You don't listen to a sermon and try to find out if somebody misquotes something. You don't watch a, a minister on TV to try to find out, you know, you know, to try to point out all the things you don't like about him or her. Just don't sit, just don't do it. And it can be a little bitty thing. But here's the thing. There's not a sliver of scoffing and scorn in the throne room. And that's where I want to live. I want to live in his presence. I don't want to have to explain him everywhere I go. I just like to ask him to show up and then watch people and then watch people get wrecked when Jesus does for them what he's done for us. So I don't want to sit in the seat of the scornful. I don't want to sit around a bunch of complainers. I don't want to be complaining. So you check yourself on the regular. Does this sound like faith or not? That's how you do it. What I just said, does it sound like faith or not? And if it doesn't sound like faith, stop saying it. Am I complaining about the call of God on my life? Are you nuts? There's no nails in your hand. There's no spear in your side. What are you complaining about? Did you descend to the depths of hell to step on the devil's neck and tear the keys out of his hand to give them to somebody else? No, you didn't do that. What are you complaining about? Don't sit in the seat of scoffers. It's too easy. It becomes like dominoes. Before you know it, you can't hear anything because you know everything. Can't nobody tell you anything. You become, you become, you just sit in the, the seat of the, the, the you just, everybody's just, just, everything has a tooth to it. Like just a little bite. And if you can't see it in yourself, I'll tell you the best way to find out is, is, is you ask your spouse to help you. you say, you guys, you ask your wife, you say, hey, can you help me? What, is there anything that ever comes out of my mouth doesn't sound like faith? Will you just let me know? And she'll be like, I'm so glad you asked. I actually have a list. I've been working on it. Matter of fact, remember from our, when we got married that day, I really wanted the cheesecake icing and you wanted buttercream, but sounded pretty scornful. Joking aside, you ask your spouse. They're supposed to, you're supposed to help each other. What does it sound like faith in our home? Tell me, I want to change. Crystal and I, we do it like this. So instead of it being somewhere like, like, if, like, like we're never not working on something, right? So I'll say, baby, can you help me? Is there anything? She's like, yeah, maybe a little bit here, maybe a little bit there. And, and, and I was like, okay, well, if I ever say this, would you just let me know? So instead of like in front of people, she going, hey, you just said what you didn't want to say right there. That was it. Gotcha. We just come up with a touch or a word, a question. 
hey, baby, did you bring your watch? And what she actually said when she asked me, did I bring my watch is, you might be getting close to that area of your life that you're trying to work out of your life. And now I know what I just said or did. She knows she's trying to help me, but nobody else knows that my wife was trying to help me point something out that I'm trying to grow. And for her, it's the same thing. We just been married 17 years and we haven't found anything she's done wrong. So it's easy. But you can't sit in the seat of the scornful because it's, it's too, it's too tricky. And you'll just, you got to think about it. Like if an angel decided to scoff in heaven, like lightning from the sky. So for you and for me, if we're going to keep our faith, we can't, we can't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. What do we care if somebody doesn't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, what they think about spiritual matters? We're not going to loiter around sin. So what is sin? To know what is right and to not do it. To him, that is sin. I'm not going to sit here and itemize things for you. But if it, if it, if it tweaks that place on the inside, it's probably getting close. Don't sit in the way of the scornful. I'll give you one more example, then I'll close. Kanye West. I don't know where he is today or what he's like, and I just pray in the name of Jesus that he fulfills the call of God on his life. But for decades, or for years, I don't know, maybe decades now, his music was put on a pedestal by every talking head in the media. And every time he would do something rude or arrogant or ugly they would all say he shouldn't have done that like there was one time it was a girl named Taylor Swift was accepting an award and he ran up and took the microphone from her and said I don't mean any disrespect or something like that he said but she shouldn't have won this award somebody else should have and he walked off it was rude it was ugly if that was your little girl you'd be like what is going on here now, whether she should have won or not, I don't know or care, but it, that right there was something that I don't think was a very kind thing to do. And every talking head said this. They said, he shouldn't have done it, but he's a genius. You know, geniuses are weird. They do stuff that's out of the box. Genius. <laughs> I guess they're cool. He designs clothing. It looks like a three-year-old drew it. <laughs> I've seen stuff that they just look like somebody's wearing a plastic bag, a paper bag. I'm like, okay. I don't care one way or the other, but okay. And everybody's sitting there looking at it. It's like, see this paper bag outfit? The reason you don't like it is because you're not a genius. He's a genius. His creativity is from another planet. He's amazing. Everybody. He's amazing. He went for like two or three years and never smiled. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or am I just... He doesn't smile because he's a genius. Look at that creativity. Creative genius. Then he has an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He puts out an album within a month or two called Jesus is King. And it is one of the most incredible culminations of music to hit in, I don't know, years. He decides I'm going to have live events because I've, I've done all this other stuff for the world or something else. But I want to do something for Jesus. I want to pack out stadiums. And within weeks, he's scheduling these, these shows and he's doing them for free. I went to one in Houston. You want to talk about favor, by the way? What were we about? Five rows back? All my friends, all my friends sitting up in the nosebleed, Texas. What are y'all doing down there? I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> after it was over, another friend of mine walked up and said, you want to go to the after party? I'm like, yeah, duh. <laughs> we walked back to the after party. We get there. A hundred people show up, walk up, get in a big circle. They all got their own microphone. Every one of them sounded like Gabriel the angel himself. Every one, individual microphone just, oh, and I was like, what? I don't mean to tell his story, but Matthew just starts crying immediately. Because to see somebody do it at that level hit a different place on the inside. You ever see somebody do something great? That's what we saw. It was just That is what our God deserves right there. 100% full tilt, no restrictions, no budget, just blow it out for Jesus. That's what we experienced. We were like, what? Bishop Reggie Steele took him down there. He just crying. He looked like this. Just weeping. Presence of God hit. Dominique Soxa. Y'all know who that is? Google her. She's sitting in front of us, weeping. And everybody who said he was a genius called him crazy. And everybody who said he was a genius says he's lost his whole mind. He's crazy. He's crazy. And they tried to disparage anything he did from that point on. Because when you are not in the kingdom, you can't see it. And you feel like you have to scoff at what you don't understand. So why do we as believers sit in the seat of the scornful when we have been told to come out from among them. You want to keep your faith in unstable times. You cannot, you cannot walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You cannot sit with scornful and you can't just loiter in sin. Now, the righteous fall seven times and we get back up, but we don't just go babysit a sinful attitude. We come out. I know I said last thing, but I'm going to give you one more because it's only three o'clock. It's the last one. Matter of fact, stand to your feet. You have to be open to the supernatural if you're going to keep your faith in unstable times. 
Our God is a supernatural God, and you don't get to dictate what he's like. You get to believe him or not. But if you're going to go through challenging times, you have to understand that it is his supernatural peace that will get on you to take you through the storm. It is not the absence of a storm that will give you peace. So it's going to take believing God through the challenge, not like God is going to remove all challenges from your life. Because effectively, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be like a prize fighter for the kingdom to verify that God is exactly who he said he is. That a thousand may fall on one side, and 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near your house because you're holding your confession of faith in an unstable time. Everybody has peace when everything's okay, but you and me are called to live in a society that is literally plagued by sin and to maintain or hold our faith It's going to take an understanding that the only way I'm going to get through this is I'm going to need something supernatural to happen in my life. I'm going to need to be able to go to sleep when the world says I shouldn't be able to sleep. I'm talking about the supernatural peace of God getting on your life. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.